This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty Podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty. No yelling on the bus. Oh, you might be yelling if you're a Nick fan. You might be yelling if you're a Nets fan. We welcome you to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Of course, we review the day in the NFL. We've got uh, an interesting one going on right here in Sunday Night Football. The 49ers jumped out to the early lead, and uh, they're leading out 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And listen, a lot of people wanted to see if really this 49ers team was for real against a very talented Green Bay team and obviously – who many consider one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League at the helm. It was going to be interesting to see what they were able to do. But, uh, you know, it's early. So we'll keep an eye on that for you. Of course, we'll talk about the Jets and Raiders earlier and the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. But we begin in the game you heard moments ago here on 98.7 ESPN. Fabulous job done by Brendan Brown and Easy Ed Cohen. It was a tough loss for the Knicks, 103-101. And once again, for this Knicks team, it's... It's really simple. It comes down to not having a closer in the game. It's very simple. They don't have a closer. That's why they continue to come up short in these games. Now, we can break it down. We can talk about the fact that they don't get stops in key moments of the game. You're correct. We can break it down and talk about they don't defend the three correct. You're right. We can break it down and say, you know what? The, the play coming out of the late timeout that went to Marcus Morris, which was, it looked confusing. You're right. All those things are true. And we could talk about how they were just more than doubled at the free throw line in attempts and they, they don't make their free throws. We could talk about all that, all that stuff. When we look at individual specifics to this game, you are correct. But the bottom line here, ladies and gentlemen, is simple. They don't have a closer. And when you don't have a closer, there is confusion as to who's going to get, who's going to take the final shot late in the shot clock. Where do they go? What do they run? What happens? And that's what happens with this Nick team. And you see it over and over and over again. So knowing that you don't have a closer, it, it, it becomes incumbent upon you to rely more on your defense because offensively there's not going to be but so much you can get. I mean, you look at this Nick team. I mean, look at this team tonight. It, it, they shot from three. They were 18 of 35 from three. They were 51% from three. They're 56% at the free throw line and they're 46% from two. So you look at that and you say, and this is, we don't expect this Nick team to shoot threes like that. We don't. And they were able to hit the three. Now, once again, and, you know, we see it all the time. The turnovers kill them. When you're not that good, you can't turn the basketball over. And once again, another slow start coming out at home. And they continue to put themselves in the position where they have to battle back and climb up from behind, and climb, and climb, and climb. And it takes a lot. 
it really takes a lot for you to have something left when you're constantly from behind. And give them credit in the fourth quarter again. Late in the game, they go back, they, they battle, and they answer the net shot for shot. But they don't get the stops that you need to take some of the pressure off your offense because you're not going to continue to shoot that way. Eventually, the, the long shot's going to catch up with you. And that's what you saw tonight. In key moments late, they were unable to hit some free, some shots, some easy shots. Yeah, they hit some threes, but they were unable to hit the easy shots. They missed so many easy shots. And here's the other thing. They have to find a way. And I don't know whether they have to increase the coaching. I mean, listen, uh, Mitchell Robinson has come a long way. He is a, he is a very, very, very talented young man. You know he is. But there's got to be a way where they can continue to work with him and continue to school him because these fouls are simply hurting them defensively. Because you really have, Nilakina is really the, the only sound defensive player that you've got on the floor. Late. Okay, he's the only sound defensive player you've got. And so not having Mitchell Robinson late in games changes what teams are able to do to you defensively. Okay? If he's there, teams are not challenging you at the rim late. And even if we miss the basket, we're going to go to the free throw line. So they have to continue to work with him. He's a young player. You understand. But there's two or three fouls that he gets during the night that he's got to stay away from. If you're foul, if he's giving a foul protecting the rim, I'll live with that. But the fouls, like he was on, I think it was on, he was doubling on Dinwiddie, 30 points. You, I don't need him, I don't need him to commit a foul there. He's got to learn and understand that it's about position. I know he wants to be physical. I know he wants to respond to what they do to him. I got it. But what you need him on the floor late in games defensively to set your tone so that now teams are not coming to the basket because they understand, okay, there's a shot blocker there. We've got to make an adjustment. Maybe they pull up. Maybe they do something else. But they're not going to the basket and getting the easy free throws. So there's got to be a way to coach him up and make sure that he does understand that we need you on the floor, big fella. Okay, we need you on the floor. He played 19 minutes. He had six points and six fouls in 19 minutes and three rebounds. Okay, he's limited in foul trouble. Once again, on the bench, Wayne Ellington, nice job. 12 points in 28 minutes. Gave you some key shots, four of seven from three. Once again, the Knicks were very good from three. But I do think, and, and, and it's going to be interesting as it starts out uh, Wednesday night when they battle uh, the Toronto Raptors. When, how short will the leash be, leash be on Damian Dotson? Because I understand what he brings to you defensively. I understand that he's even pretty good for guard rebounding the basketball. I get it. But I think from a scoring situation, and he's still been working on his shot. And listen, I give him credit. After the loss last night against the Spurs, came back out and shot but nobody in the building. 
I respect that. I respect that a lot. That's a young man that wants to pays attention to his craft, wants to get better. You reward that. I understand it. But you need points. And even though they were scoring this, there was key moments in when they had droughts where the Nets were putting, making runs where he missed some key shots that I'm looking at. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you respect, you respect what he's trying to do, but maybe that leash needs to be just a little bit shorter. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Machica, 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 machica. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Jimmy G and the 49ers rolling up 20 to nothing with 58 seconds left to go before halftime. We're talking about the Knicks. Now it's time to hop in with Alan Hahn. It's just absolutely maddening. The Knicks are done for the evening. Time for the ride home. Wally's mad at me because I'm getting on the Grand Central when he's not reading the signs that say that there are two lanes closed by the Clearview. Oh, okay. Why didn't you take the Grand Central? You know, if you just let me finish. See, Larry, I told you he was in a bad mood. You're driving home with Alan and Wally. Hi, Larry. On ESPN New York tonight. We love it when he allows us to ride home with him after a, his phenomenal job on the Nick Post game, halftime and pregame. He is a man who you can hear every night here, Monday through Friday from 7 to 10. Alan Han, Han Solo, joins us here on The Drive. Hey, Alan. Hey, Larry. How about those Jets? Wasn't it a great game today? Alan, we talked about it on Thursday, that this was a game that we really wanted to see how this team was going to respond. They came out yep. hard and fast, and they were dominant. This was a this was by far their best performance maybe in a couple of years. Yeah, I'll tell you what, and if they want to put out there, I know Jamal did that, you know, they were mad because there was a lot of Raider fans in the building and they were fired up about that's fine. But that that's the most prepared I've seen mm-hmm. the Jets, let alone Adam Gase's Jets. That's mm-hmm. the most prepared I've seen them in quite some time. Yep. You know, they were prepared on every facet, including special teams. Yeah, Greg Williams' defense was really good, uh, and they've and it's been a good defense, even though he's using a lot of spare parts. But that offense, it was everything we've asked for. Be creative. Sam's using his legs. The offensive line was holding up, but Sam didn't sit there. And, you know, he get, obviously got sacked the one time, but he didn't just sit there in the pocket. He got out. He moved so the offensive line didn't have to work so hard. And really, if you think about it, they had two touchdowns taken back. That's right. Because the penalties, yep. they could have had even more points on the board. So, I mean, that's as good as they look. Another 300-yard game for Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's exciting. And I said that. You know, this is a big game for Gase. Yeah, absolutely. Because you start wanting to believe in what they're doing trending up. Mm-hmm. Well, you're starting to believe in it now, and then you've got Cincinnati who can't beat anybody, and you know the Dolphins who you owe some payback to, uh, and before the schedule gets a little dicey again. But at least you feel like start trending up, leave this season feeling good and looking forward to next year. Are you allowing yourself, Allen, to think six and seven before Baltimore? No, 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 no. I know where you're going. You're trying to get you. You're trying to pull me into the playoff conversation. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not trying to put you in the playoff. Sucker. No, not at all. all right. No, I don't, all I'm right. not even thinking playoffs. Oh, oh, I'm oh, just, so you're saying, just saying six and seven, maybe a chance to finish five hundred. Yes. Yeah. Are you ready to uh, think six and seven going into no. going because because here's the thing. You know what people are going to say. Well, they beat the Oakland. Yeah. You know they're going to lose one of the next two because they weren't supposed to beat the Raiders. That's well, I don't Jets. care. I don't care. Well, well, I don't care what people say. What I see is 
Bengals can't beat anyone. You, you're supposed to win that game. Now, win the game you're supposed to win. How, again, this is all about Gase. How mm-hmm. focused can you keep your team locked in on, we've got to get better week to week. And it doesn't matter who's in front of us. We take no one for granted. We just we out-prepare and outperform the opponent. And that's what that's what all that anybody should be talking about. Not not what's going to happen three weeks from now. You know what I want? I want to be a spoiler in week seventeen. That's yes. what I want. Mm-hmm. I want to ruin. I want to ruin any chance they might have. Maybe that game's going to matter for Buffalo. And if it does, I want to dest- I want to ruin their party. You know, that's it. And, and then you can if you can finish the season somehow eight and eight, seven and nine, and you also ruin their party. Okay, I'm feeling good then about what can happen now going into an offseason with another draft pick and a bunch of picks. Um, you know, getting healthy, getting your linebackers back next year healthy, you know, improving the O-line, like just little things like that. I, I, mm-hmm. It makes you feel good. Trending up is important for franchises that are rebuilding. And, yes, now that segues us into the Knicks. Go ahead. All right. And, Alan, here's the thing, and I started tonight with this. They've got to find a way, and I know they have to continue to work with him, coaching him up and getting him mentally prepared, but there's got to be a way because this is going into the second season now where Mitchell Robinson has got to be on the floor in the fourth quarter late, Allen. He is their, he is their best defensive guy other than Nilakina, and he, there's a uh-huh. difference in how teams attack them when he's on the floor. He's got to be on the floor late, and they, they can't keep allowing him these ticky-tack dumb fouls to shove to Dinwiddie 30 feet from the basket. Allen, he's got to be on the floor yeah. late. Yeah, but I like what you said earlier. You know, he's out of 10. I'd rather dial him down than have to dial him up. I mean, yes. what would you rather have? An overzealous, over-anxious Mitchell Robinson who takes a lot of pride in his defense or Kevin Knox who just, just tries oh. to survive when he plays defense? Like, oh. which would you rather have? Oh. I can I can dial you down. Like, I'll get your experience. You'll figure it out, and I can dial you down. The more He needs as much experience as he can. He's a kid. I don't have a problem with, with Robinson being overzealous. My bigger issue is this Knox is soft. Oh. I mean, it's, yeah. he's a kid. He's, he's And that's not, again, I'm not trying to say Knox is a bad guy. He's just, he is a kid, and he plays like one. He's soft. And he's got to grow into and be mature and be more competitive and you've, you've either you've got to wait for it. And I don't know if I agree with rewarding him with a start to see if it helps give him confidence. I, no, I don't know if that's the best thing to do because he's lost. He's not just going to figure it out because you, you give him a start. He's got a lot of things that he's got to figure out that I think, personally, he might need to do in the G League. He just mm-hmm. might need to just mm-hmm. because – you, you can't feel like you have to play him if he's just not ready to play at the NBA level right now. And there's been a lot of rookies and a lot of top ten picks who have seen some time in the G League. Some of them have done it. It's not yeah. such a bad thing anymore. It might be time for him to do that just so he can dominate a little bit, You know, start to understand defense, take it a little more personal, uh, You know, something like that. Now, are they afraid of what kind of value it might hurt him? Uh, around the league. I don't know, but I just don't know if how, you know. You keep putting them out there, and you're just getting the same result. Eventually, something's something's got to give. But Larry, four and thirteen is a scary place to be this early in the season, especially 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 going to Toronto on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, you look and, at you know, the schedule. Philly, it could be. Oh, it could be. It uh, could be done. Scary. Uh, once you're ten under, 
Yeah. Once you're ten under in a season, I mean that's a that's a that's a really hard place to come back from in the NBA. And, and this early in the season to be ten under, you know, I, you know, you're not even at the quarter of the season yet. That's a scary place to be. And it's also to me now it it it, it really starts to create like the questions of, okay, if. If this, you know, you envision the team to play a lot different than they're playing, but clearly through a quarter, okay, we now know what this is. Mm-hmm. You've got to fix it. Or if you're going to say we're going to be patient and we're still building, that's another long year that's very hard for a fan base to get through again. And, you know, to look forward to another draft lottery and to have that become your prime focus and all that – like it's it's a lot to ask a fan base to endure again. Uh, so it, you know you, you want to just be able to just turn it off and say I'll come back next year. But the one thing about Knicks fans, like this isn't I'm saying this to Bill Pito tonight. This is this is not like we're in Memphis or we're in uh, any like, name any other city outside of some of the obvious ones where they're diehards like this, like here in New York. But you know these, we're not. You don't just walk away. Like, we don't just turn it off and we'll come back at the end of the year or you'll just get a – like Atlanta, you'll get a smattering of fans. There. Nobody, like, if you're bad, they won't come out and watch you and that's it. Nobody will really care. Mm-hmm. When the Knicks lose, it affects the whole city. It affects everybody. They get, fr- get frustrated. It's, but they, they come back again. I heard your calls. You know, the, the fathers bringing their kids to games because they want them to experience what the garden is like because it's a yeah. special place. And it's frustrating. So – it's not like we can just tune it out and wait for them to be good again. We aren't like that. We're not built that way. We care about the game too much. We want to watch. And so it's hard to endure this, but it's also hard to say, I'm just not going to watch. You know you're going to. So yeah. I, I, if this early in the season, Larry, it's a dangerous place to be. And I really wonder what it leads to decision-wise, you know, with the franchise at the very top as we go forward on many levels, not just, you know, you know, not just coaching or anything else. I just, I just think you really got to think hard about another long year with the idea of, hey, they'll be in the lottery again. I, I don't know if that's something that, you know, is the best place to be right now. No, I agree with you, Alan. And, and it's a tough spot because you don't also want to make that dumb move that sets you back. A couple of years to say, Great point. oh, okay, Great point. we got to do this. Either. Exactly. Alan, let's go get Chris Paul. Yeah. We, we need somebody to run. We need a point guard. Let's go get Chris Paul. Well, we'll leave the contract. We'll do that. You know what I'm saying? That's the old Knicks. pay a guy $40 million. Well, you can't give him $40 million when he's 36 years old. Like that, you know, like that's not one that you do. And I don't, like, if I had the answer, I would tell you. But it's not like there's a player out there that's an obvious, will make the move kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But you're lacking sizzle. You're lacking, you know, you... You, you still don't have a dynamic guards. Dennis is, you know, how much longer do you just, you know, wait for Dennis? Um, you know, and I don't know if Julius is the best fit. You've got a lot of issues that you have to either address or you say, well, you know what? With short-term contracts, we're just going to live through it. And if the worst thing that happens is we get another top 10 pick, then at least we get another top 10 pick. And if that's the mentality, my only fear is how much of an impact does this have on the business overall yeah. for you? Because as I said in you know June 30th, when what happened happened, is you're gonna you you could stand to lose an entire generation of fans 
You know, it's a dangerous place to be right now, unfortunately. But you're right. You, you nailed it. This also can, can if, you, if you make the wrong decision, it can also set you back. So it's, yeah, it's a really concerning time for me right now uh, where this franchise is and also the next, you know, next couple of weeks here. Uh, once the once we get into the meat of the season, where you'll start seeing teams make decisions on their rosters and their futures. You know, Alan, I, I'm ready right now to just um, two minutes. The next home game, if that starting unit continues to come out the way they continue to come out, I'm changing the whole five and setting them. Well, I mean, I, I mean, David Fisdell calls quick timeouts now when he doesn't like what he's seeing. But I go back to what I said: your starting five is what it is. You're starting some people almost because you have to, not because mm-hmm. not because it's the best thing to do. And there's some guys that are not good starters. And Julius Randle's just not a good starter. He's not a he's a slow starter. Morris is a slow starter. Now he gets his points, and Morris is great late in games, but he's a slow starter. Who's your dynamic, you know, first quarter guy that gets you gets you into your game, gets the pace going, sets the tone? Uh, they don't have for that him. piece. <laughs> We're waiting for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what? You're right. They don't have that piece on the roster still, and that's the that's the eternal search that has been going on for the last uh, 19 years. It is. Well, not Alan, really. They had Mello. I shouldn't say they that. They had Mello, 19 yeah. Years, yeah. But it seems so like Mello 19 was years. that guy for a while. <laughs> it hey, seems it like it. It shows you, though, right? It, yeah. it, but it, what it shows you, though, is in the Mello years, to have a guy like that, is so valuable. Yeah. That it, you, you may not, you know, and they were 54 one year, but they were 40 wins. You know, they weren't, like, killing it. But it just shows you how just having one guy like that makes such a difference for you. And then now you have a team, this roster full of role players who would fill so well with mm-hmm. just that one dynamic guy. Absolutely. Arrive home safely, my friend. We'll, we'll see you on the radio soon. Thanks. Be well. All righty. Alan Hahn arriving Riding us home from another, from his work with the Knicks at the Garden. Tough loss for the Knicks tonight, 103-101. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two, Sunday night edition of The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. We got the J combination, Joel and Giselle with Hardesty. 1-800-919-3776. We'll get to your jet calls in a couple of minutes. We're wrapping up our discussion with the Knicks, who lost to the Brooklyn Nets at the Garden by two. And Alan makes a great point on his ride home. You're a Knicks fan. And you don't see hope right now. Do you see hope? Do you see hope in the future that this team is, as Alan said, trending upward? Do you see that hope? Do you say, you know what, okay, Man, you know, RJ gave us some, RJ gave us great minutes and Mitchell Robinson's going, Frank Nilakina, all in the same night. Could we get a scenario where we get three or four games consistently where we see the younger guys that we drafted? And yeah, with Bill Knox in there and Dotson. Could we see a scenario where the guys that we drafted, these young players, put a stretch of games together that makes you say, Huh. A couple of veterans will be okay. A couple of veterans. We we got a nucleus. We we got something. We got something. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Alan mentioned it. You're waiting for our, you're waiting for Dennis Smith Jr. And you're waiting for Dennis Smith Jr. And you're waiting for Dennis Smith Jr. And you're waiting for Dennis. You're not, you're not, not getting it done. And then you're torn because 
do you do you press the button and get rid of him too soon? How long do you, that is the question that makes front office personnel stay awake at night. How long do we wait for this guy to show us to live up to the talent that we've seen him develop? How long do we have to wait? When is it happening? When? That's the question right now that's facing the next front office. Is not, was Knox, to be honest, I think he was better last season than he's been this season. I saw more promise. I saw more energy out of Knox last season than I've seen this season. So what do you do? Nilakina's better so far. He's shown you defensively he's better. Defensively, he's earned time on the floor. Now, if he could just get some shots, and, and, and he's another guy that teases you. You see him push the ball down to take, take the ball length of the floor, go right to the basket strong, hit a couple of jumpers, you know? So you've seen it. So you've seen some progress with him. But Knox, the caller said he's struggling. And you just have you, you're not at, you're frustrated right now with this Nick team. Because you knew, look, you knew they weren't, this is not a championship team. We understand that. But can you give me something that gives me hope? And that's the question you have. And the hope is with the young guys. The veterans you have on here, you know these guys. These guys are going to come and go. That's that's what you have to you know supplement your roster with. You got some veterans who can do some scoring. And listen, you know, give me give me Morris, give me Ellington, give me um, Taj Gibson with Mello and Chandler and Felton and Kid. And I'm going places. I've, I've got depth. I've, I've got something to work with. I've got guys who, you know, Carmelo gets doubled and Mars is on the floor. He can hit that jumper. I've got, I've got depth. I've got other options. I've got better options coming off the bench. You give me those guys with that team. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm ready to talk a little bit, but these young kids, you know, they're not the top guys. They're, the complimentary guys. They're the guys that add to the meal. You don't have a main course on this team. You don't. You don't have a signature dish on this team. If we're talking food, you don't. Got a lot of entrees, got a lot of good food, a lot of sprinkled, a lot of good things on the side. But for a main course, a signature meal that you say, you know what? That's a great steakhouse. That's a great, they have great salmon at that fish place. There's a great, there's, there's a great Italian restaurant. What, there's a great Lebanese restaurant. There's a great, you know, there's, there's, there's great Chinese restaurant. Japanese, oh, the sushi's outstanding. Not here. Don't have it. Don't have it. And I'm not sure when you get it. And once again, to Alan's point, I don't know how long you hold on until you see something that says, okay, it's coming. You don't see it. You haven't seen it yet. Just all I need, and this is the Nick fan talking right now, all I need is give me a stretch of games where I say, you know what? Huh, okay, we got something here. If you're a Jet fan right now, you're looking at these last three games and you're saying, all right, yeah, yeah, they did okay against the two. But wait a minute. We beat Oakland today. Ooh, 
I'm encouraged. I see the defense improving. I'm seeing the offense improving. I'm seeing some adjustments happen. I'm seeing things moving in the right direction. Huh. My, my, you know, Ghostbusters have been called, so Sam Darnold's okay. My quarterback is showing me that he can, you know, consistently put some points on the board. I've got a Jet team that scored, what, 34 points in three consecutive weeks? I'm okay. I'm, I, I can see a little light at the end of the tunnel. And this time it's not an oncoming train. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, I don't think these guys have been lacking confidence to begin with. They, they've done a good job of just sticking with it, starting the week over on Wednesday and, you know, just trying to make sure they do everything right on Sundays. And, you know, early on, it, it wasn't really going that way, but guys stuck with it. And now they're they're kind of seeing how, how it should look. Adam Gase talking about his New York Jets, who had a big, I think, a big confidence win today as they dominate the Raiders at MetLife Stadium. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. We'll take your Jet calls and Giant calls as well at 1-800-919-3776. Giants lose to the Bears 19-14. But the thing that jumped out at me for the Jets today was their intensity to start the game. So for me, and you know the Raiders travel well, and you know they, they always love to have their fans, and they and you saw some of the shots if you watched the game, where they were right by right by the end zone, right by the jet bench. So the Raider fans were really vocal in this game today. But for me, the the thing that really jumped out at me was the play of the Jets offensive line. This has been something that has been we've commented on and we have criticized them, and rightfully so, a lot this season. A lot this season. But Today, they were outstanding. Even when players were injured, the replacement switched. Shell went from one step from left tackle to right tackle and back. Beecham went in, was out, came back. The, the offensive line play today with the one sack was outstanding. They opened holes for the run. You got to see Le'Veon Bell have a chance to pause, look for holes, and then make a chance to go through. You saw them by moving the football, the linebackers where the, the running back reads the linebackers to see where they're going and how deep they're going and the safeties where they are. This was as good a total game that the Jets have played. I can't remember the last time they played a game this good. This is better than the Dallas game they had earlier this year. This is better than any win I can remember last year because it was the complete effort. And that's what I really enjoyed about them. And what you saw from Sam Darnold today was you saw him throwing the ball into the sideline, throwing the ball in the dirt. He was not trying to be in a position where he gave Oakland life with a dumb turnover that changes momentum and field position and now puts your defense in a bad spot. And the defense continues to play extremely well, extremely, extremely well. This was a big test. Because Oakland loves to run the football. And the Jets came into the game today number one against the run. And they've done a nice job, and they continue to do a great job against the run. Let's go to Jamal Adams giving his thoughts about the fans disrespecting them before the game. 
not gonna lie to you. When we came when we came onto the field, we felt disrespected. We got booed in our own home stadium by Oakland fans, and you know we came back into this locker room, went out, and it was it was a, it was a hell of a talk. It was something that that needed to be said. We felt disrespected, went out there and put up a shut up. And they did. And once again, as I mentioned, the offensive line was tremendous. Here's what Adam Gase had to say about the offensive line, the play of the offensive line, especially in the run game for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I think the line's really done a good job, especially the last two or three weeks. I mean, it's just they're getting the guys covered up. They're opening a big enough hole to where he can hit it and, and get through there and then try to try to step through any kind of arm tackles or, or anybody going after his legs. So, I mean, those guys are just going to keep getting better every week, and you know, hopefully we can just keep staying healthy. Here's the thing that I also loved about the Jets' offense today. Week in and week out. And I'm really glad that Sam Darnold went into Adam Gase's office and sat down and told him what he really loves to run out of the playbook and some of the things that he's not so enamored enamored with because the playbook is opening a little wider and you're starting to see different things. I mean, just the the play to uh, the, the return of Barrios, the play to uh, Anderson, these are the type of plays that we were saying, okay, this guy is offensively, he's supposed to be uh, offensive genius, create, creative. We're not seeing it. Okay, well, now since he's got his offensive line in place and Sam Darnold has told him, kind of given him the type of plays that he is comfortable with running in this playbook, it's opening up more. And, and you're really, really starting to see uh, this offense opened up and you're really starting to see them put some points on the board. And that's, imp- and that's important because what it does is it allows your defense some, some leeway that they can go out now and they can be more aggressive and they can take some, some shots and they can gamble. And the other thing I like was the Jets had not just drives, but long drives, 10, 11, 12 play drives. That, that's, that's what makes an offense look great. What do you think about the Jets? 1-800-919-3776. Mark's in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. What's up, man? What's happening, Mark? Oh, man, you already know I'm on cloud 205. <laughs> um, so, I bet. Let me, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm giggling just like it's Christmas. But that's all right, though, because that's what I do. Um, let me break it down, Larry. Mm-hmm. I, got, I couldn't wait for you to come on so I could do that. Here I go. Offense. Minus. Minus. Reason why, wow. I love I love the we used all four running backs. These are things that I always talk about. We used all four running backs. We used Sam Darnold in different positions. Sam loves being under the center. I think I remember saying that about seventy five times. Sam loves being under the center. That means we run the ball downhill. What that is also doing, Larry, is giving the offensive line continuity. We talked about that. They get the fire out. They don't just get to step back in that same formation and then watching their defensive guys run and crash in or whatever quarterback's back there. So, uh, A, the minus I give to offense, I give it to Gaze. And I'm, I'm really falling for Gaze. But he really lost me because the – he lost me on this particular part. On the last the last two minutes of the third quarter, this game was over. It was over. It was John Gruden, whatever the horses they had, John called him in the barn. 
This game was done. And here he is getting cute, throwing bombs and passing and trying to really look like trying to run the score up. And I got actually mad. I was yelling at the TV like, I can believe this guy. You know, he was lazy before and now he start putting in the work and changing formations and getting all the game back involved and not just the same old thing. And then he gets lazy and cute and not made me mad. That's why he gets the minus. I don't want to say any more of that. Okay. Uh, defensively, mm-hmm. Greg Williams, A+. Plus. Why? Here's a, here's a notice to the NFL. We don't let you run the football. We don't need no big-time edge rusher, Khalil Mack dude. We don't need that because all of our pressure comes right up the middle. And that's why the, the quarterbacks are having problems because they're coming in the game, and it's critical watching them figure out how they're going to try to run the football. It's just laughable. I was cracking up. I'm like, what are they going to do now? A double reverse? It was funny. And, um, and lastly, special teams. I, I wanted to see Vincent Smith return the ball, but I did get a little something special on kind of on special teams because the kid, the punter Barrios, I thought he was just like the fair kept machine. And then he, and then Gaze just pulls him out of nowhere on some, some spring play. Nobody knew who he was. All of a sudden he's dashing for 69 yards. So, wow. Just wow. Easily the state game and easily the best game on TV this weekend. Easy. It ain't even close. That's all I got, bro. All right, Mark. It was a nice day for you. You enjoyed the game. Thanks. Thanks for the phone call. Let me, I will say this though. I think on the play that you're talking about, Mark, there were eight, nine in the box. So I think because of that play, that's why he threw the ball because you, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be in the position where you just run it and give up the clock. Yeah. We know the game is over and it should have been, but you don't want to give up. You want to keep, driving you want to keep that clock moving you want to be able to run the football and continue to run it and when they put eight nine in the box they're saying to you okay we're not gonna let you run the football we're gonna make you throw because we want to get the ball back and so what he did was to possession better because you know oakland's really fighting the clock by them throwing the ball and continuing the drive keeping the drive alive that helps you keep possession of the football and keeps their offense off the field so that's why he was doing that Listen, the Jets have been tremendous against the run. Uh, Josh Jacobs, rookie, fourth in the NFL in rushing, is really a rookie of the year candidate. He, today, was held to 34 yards on 10 carries. The Jets started the, the day allowing a league-low 79.1 yards per game. Okay? Per game. Today... They gave up 68. They've been phenomenal against the run. They've been phenomenal. And that's been a big reason. But I will say this, Mark. I, they still need a pass rush. <laughs> pass rush. Jamal Adams has been doing a great impersonation of a pass rusher. But they still need a pass rusher. They still need an edge rusher. So that would complete their defense. The secondaries played well. and let, And, yes, Greg Williams has done a tremendous amount of work with the players that he's had. He's got backup practice guys in in the secondary and at linebacker for this team, and they're making big-time plays. Big-time plays. So, you know, that's what you want to see, and that's what you love. When, when teams talk about next man up, that's what the Jets have been able to do, and they've caught fire. And you love the fact that they're putting a run together, they're putting a string of games together, and now they've got – 
you know, a couple of teams that they should beat in Cincinnati and Miami. And so you want to see this hard work and everything continue. You want to see them continue to build momentum and play well. That's what this Jet team needs to do. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Of The Drive, Sunday night edition on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we're talking about the Jets. Talk about the Giants as well. 1-800-919-3776. Before I get to the calls, Giants lose to the Chicago Bears. And I'm going to admit to you, I thought this was a game that the Giants would find a way to win. Do I know that the Bears have a tremendous defense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And they do it with turnovers. And when you've got a situation where you've got a quarterback who has had some trouble holding on to the football, be it turning it over with interceptions or fumbling it. And yes, Khalil Mack set up a touchdown with a strip sack. I knew that it was going to be tough sledding, but Mitchell Trubisky has been struggling so badly that people are crying for Chase Daniels to be the starter in Chicago. Crying. So I thought the the Giants would be able to do enough offensively because of turnovers by Trubisky, that they will be able to do enough offensively to to sneak a win out. Uh, and they weren't able to do it. Now, what didn't help them was losing Jabril Peppers in the first half with a hip injury. He's got an MRI schedule for Monday. So that didn't help them either. But you know, I really thought that they would have an opportunity to sneak a win in Chicago. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Uh, Trubisky threw for season high 278 yards, including a touchdown to Allen Robinson, who had a season high 131 yards receiving. He had two interceptions, and one of them was so bad. It was just, he just doesn't see the field well at all. I mean, both of them were bad. One was in the end zone. His receiver was nowhere near. And one was in the middle of the field, and he hit the giant safety. I think it was a safety in stride. Right, right between the numbers, it was perfect. And once again, when you're struggling, when you're struggling, little things hurt you. Like Aldrich Rojas missing two field goals. I mean, he makes those field goals, the Giants sneak a win out. It's the little things that are just wearing the Giants out, just wearing them out right now. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Mike's in Queens. Hey, Mike, you're next on the drive. Hey, Mike. What's going on, Mike? Uh, good job. Uh, as you alluded to, uh, the acting owner uh, took my advice and they called out the Ghostbusters and the Jets that they won the game. Uh, the offensive line finally looks uh, like an uh, offensive line. Sam Donald, it looks like that meeting went well, and so the people that want to know I'm traded. He's the only heart desire they have, despite his issue with Joe Douglas and Adam Gase, although nobody likes Adam Gase. Fame would, would be a mistake, and uh, if the Jets do, I think they're going to work again. Yeah. All right, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. This was, um, and we talk about Sam Darnold, and this was the thing that's really, really fascinating to me. He, this was a kid. 
three weeks ago, a month ago, after the New England game, we were, I said to you on these airwaves that I thought he took a step backwards. He did not look like the guy who took a step forward last year to make you think that, you know what? He's something special. He's the franchise quarterback. The thing that he, the thing that you love for him is that he's rebounded from it. He was struggling. He was lost. And part of it was the offensive line. There's no question about it. And part of it was him getting in his own way. But now you've seen over the past couple of weeks a much better, a much better job from him. And I'm, I'm very impressed with how he's been able to, to bounce back. But once again, it's about doing it week after week after week. So he did a great job today. 300 yards, nice. But once again, he's got to continue to improve. Samson Flatbush. Hey, Sam, you're next on the drive. Oh, no, Gary. What's happening? So a bunch of points to make about the Jets. Go. First of all, I'm loving these. I'm loving these. 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 Um. The first of all, obviously, we have the quarterbacks playing. I'm loving the trick plays. I'm loving mm-hmm. that you have defenders that are practice squad players playing good. So next year, we have Tremaine Johnson and other players who have their contracts. They know that if they don't play well, they're gonna get their butts hit. Sam, you don't have to worry about Sam. I'm happy to tell you, you don't have to worry about seeing Tremaine Johnson on this team next year. Okay, another point. Do you think Jamal Adams can win Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, no, I don't think he's been consistent enough for for the part of the season. Uh, I think he'll be he'll get a lot of consideration, but I don't think that he'll be able to get it because I don't think people look at the safety as being uh, a dominant player. I think you look more of your pass rushers and you look at your Aaron Donalds and players like that. But uh, he's the Jets' <laughs> defensive player. He is, no question about but that. But we both know that when he plays good, he wrecks games. He ruins yes. games. Absolutely, he does. He definitely okay, does, Sam. Uncle Larry, I love talking to you first before, you know, you get the Mike K show, everything else. The time we talk to you, it's all burnt out. Love talking to you first about the Jets. Have all right, Sam. Night, Uncle Larry. Thanks for the phone call. Good talking to you. 1-800-919-3776. But I tell you, he has. But listen, ever since that situation of the trade, he has stepped his game up a little bit. Definitely has. He has stepped his game up. Jamal Adams is playing at a Pro Bowl level without a doubt. And you, listen, you have to. He shows up in your offensive game plan. Any offensive coordinator that's coming in to play the Jets, he is prominent, prominently in their game plan about you have to know where this guy is. And now you're confident that the younger guys, the guys who were the practice squad guys, the guys who are getting the opportunity to play, have been playing more and more, and their confidence is really solid. And because of that, you're able to take some chances where you can continue to move Jamal Adams around and make some plays and line him up in different places and send him, or you can drop him in coverage and send somebody else because of the way that he's played. And as long as the Jets continue to really play well against the run, they really force teams to be one dimensional. If you can't run the football, that means you got to pass the football. So if you can't run it, that sets you in a situation where you can drop, and he did it on a couple of occasions. Greg Williams rushed three and dropped eight in the coverage. And if you drop eight in the coverage, that's tough. 
that's tough to be able to find the receiver that's open because somebody's double teamed. Somebody's got one-on-one coverage, but where? So that's what I'm saying. They're, they're stopping the run and doing great, great job against the run. Uh, boy, if I just had a pass rusher right now, I feel pretty good. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Like a little step, little, want to pick you up on the Sunday night. Game night on ESPN radio at the top of the hour here on 987 ESPN. All right. I wanted to wait until this, uh, 49, I'm going to get to the calls in a second. I wanted to wait till the 49er game was done. I, I got to tell you right now, I was shocked at the point. I thought the 49ers had a pretty good chance to win because I expected Green Bay to just come out rolling tonight. Oh, 49ers all over Green Bay, 37 to eight. I wonder if uh, it's a late addition to the fantasy studs and duds. Well, we'll find out because that's where we go right now with uh, Joel's got our fantasy studs and duds for week 12 in the National Football League. Thanks for that introduction, Larry. For those of you hearing this segment for the first time, I'm going to give some of the top fantasy scoring players at the four major positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, as well as widely owned players who are likely started across all leagues who underperformed against their expectations. So we'll start at the quarterback position where both my stud and dud played against each other right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. My quarterback stud, Sam Darnold, 315 yards. Two touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, 28 points fantasy-wise, and a 34-3 win over the Raiders. And his opponent, Derek Carr, he got yoinked from the game. He had just 127 yards and an INT for four points in that loss to the Jets. He And he looked lost. Give the Jet defense a lot of credit because I thought, Joel, coming into this, that they were going to make the adjustment and say that, you know what, Jamal Adams is not doing anything. He's not. We're not going to let him near. We're going to do whatever he takes to keep him away. We might have trouble running the ball, but he's not going to beat us. But yet and still, Derek Carr had no answers. 127 yards, and they couldn't run the ball either. I'm surprised he got four points. He probably should have got one, Joel. I mean, yeah, we're being, I'm being a little generous here. You know, I think it was like 3.8 to be exact. I rounded up just to make things seem a little nice. And no, Aaron Rodgers didn't quite make the cut for duds. He was a dud, but he had, he managed about nine points. So Derek Carr took the cake there. All right. Moving on to the running back position. We have two fantasy heavyweights here. Uh, for my stud, it's Leonard Fournette, 97 rush yards, two touchdowns, nine catches and 62 yards for a whopping 36 points in the 42-20 loss to Tennessee, while Saquon Barkley, the other heavyweight, normally rushed for just 59 yards, two catches, one yard, eight points in the 1914 loss to the Bears. You know what, Joel? This is a this is a story of two running backs, one who is now healthy, who was hurt last season, and one who was healthy last season and hurt now. And you look at Leonard Fournette. This is what you got from him when they were on their run last year. And this is the way he performed. He was dominant. He could run the football and catch the football. He was all-purpose. And Saquon Barkley, you look at these numbers, two catches for a yard, 59 rushing yards. He's still hurt. Why are they still playing him, Joel? Rest him for the rest of the year. I absolutely agree. He needs to be sat down. I know they want – I know they're paying him to play. But, I mean, you know, this is the NFL. Guys go down all the time. This is not the way to do it. At the wide receiver position this week, my stud and dud are actually teammates – while my dud didn't quite let you down terribly, 
he is generally attached to a much loftier number and is generally has much higher expectations. So first, my stud, Chris Godwin, seven catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns, whopping 37 points in the 35-22 win over the Falcons, while teammate Mike Evans, who usually is looking at numbers like that, managed just four catches, 50 yards for a total of nine points in that win. 37 points. That's that's pretty good. Hope you had him. He he must have carried a lot of teams this week. <laughs> he had had to had to. What 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 did your tight ends look like? So my tight ends, they're guys who we've seen in this slot a number of times this season. We've actually seen both these guys in both of these slots. So my stud, Zach Ertz, 12 catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown for 27 points in that 17-9 to loss to Seattle, while Greg Olson managed five catches for 44 yards for just nine points in the 34-31 nail-biting loss to the Saints. Greg Olson generally also attached to a much higher point total, but mm-hmm. the tight end position has done pretty well as far as floor goes this season. Yeah, you know, that was an interesting game that, that Carolina New Orleans game was back and forth. That, that was a, that was a good one. And listen, what can you say about Seattle? Zach Ertz was the, was, I guess he was the major, the only offense that Philadelphia was able to have against Seattle. And, and boy, Russell Wilson and the, and the Seahawks are playing extremely well right now. And you know, he, we've talked about him as an MVP candidate and he may have fallen off just a little bit, but still he's going to be up there in the conversation by the time the season is over. No question about it. Thank you, Joel. Fine job as always with your fantasy studs and duds. We try to do it every show on The Drive here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Trey in Brooklyn, Texas. He is next on 98.7. Hey, Trey. Man, what an honor. I get to follow radio Joe. Man, (laughs) the best segment, man. That's the best. That's that's where you get to rip up everything from the day. If it's good, it's good. And if it's bad, let it go. That's right. That's right. I'm Absolutely. I'm um, Larry, you know, watching this game tonight, you know, it was it was a good game. It was back and forth. One thing that I noticed that we don't have that like that Spencer Dinwiddie type. We need a guy like that. Get to the get get to the get to the hoop. Get a foul. Get some foul shots. We got to shoot free throws better, Larry. That's oh, please. We win the game if we hit the free throws. The game is over. Oh, you had need the, you missed seven. Hit three. And, and we lost by two, Larry. Come on. Hit don't three free throws. I understand that. It's ridiculous. You know, um, we miss R.J. Barrett tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch, now, I love Mitchell Robinson. I love what he brings. But let me tell you something, Larry. He has got to get way more disciplined. His, uh, he gets frustrated, and then he, he, he begins to reach. Mm-hmm. He begins to, like, little ticky fouls. I saw him get into it with Shump, and he mm-hmm. just shoved Shump and caught a a stupid foul, you know, early in the, in, the, in the second quarter. Like, these are things that cannot happen. These are things that good teams do not do. Great players don't do silly things like that. And, it's, you know, I know it's a growth period, and we understand in that. And, you know, we're going to be critical of this team because, like you said, the training wheels are off now, Larry. You know, this yeah. guy said he could coach. We took him at his word. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's too much up and down. You know what I mean? There's a lot of up and down, and I'm just – I'm not comfortable with how, how, how we're going up and down. Well, what do you, what's your take? Well, Trey, we talked about it a lot earlier. Um, it, it, it's a situation where you're looking at this Nick team and you understand that. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good talking to you. You, you understand that this Nick team is struggling. You understand that there's, there's lacking, uh, talent and personnel in several positions, but they continue to switch when they shouldn't. They continue to, uh, make turnovers that kill them. They continue to miss free throws, which are unacceptable. 
they continue to do things that you can't do because you don't have the talent to overcome them. So you have a slim margin for error when you play. And I mentioned it and Alan Hahn joined us earlier coming from the garden. And we both talked about Mitchell Robinson. We love his exuberance. We love the fact that he wants to be a defender. We love that he enjoys blocking shots. We love that he wants to compete and it's easier to pull him back. Okay. Than to try to inject some more energy into him. And we made the comparison of him and Kevin Knox and how you're looking for Kevin Knox is just like, Okay, if I got to defend somebody, I'll try, but I'm really here to score. No, you're here to play the complete game. Ultimately, to be a great player in the NBA, you need to play the complete game. Score on offense, compete on defense. Compete on defense, score on offense. That That's what keeps you a, a professional in the National Basketball Association. So, yes, he needs to be continued to be coached. You got to sit down and watch the video on him. He he needs to continue to do his work. He needs to try to keep a level head because you're absolutely right. He'll reach. If he doesn't get a foul call, then he'll go hard the next time to try to get a foul call. So he needs to be on the floor late to try to anchor your defense. If you have a chance in the fourth quarter and the game is close, if you can have Nilakina and Mitchell Robinson on the floor together, I think that gives you a little better chance at winning and trying to defend and get some stops when you really need them late. I think that's what you have to do. Um, now, how do you do that? Can you do that consistently? That's going to be the challenge. You talk about a guy that a Spencer Dinwiddie type, you talk about a guy that puts the ball on the floor and takes it the length of the floor or take put his head down and goes to the free throw line. Yeah, that's kind of what RJ Barrett has been able to do. Trey, a little bit. You'd like to see more consistently because he's starting to fall in love with the outside shot and you understand it because teams are defending him or we're giving you that shot because we don't want you to drive to the basket. So he has to develop that and you'd like to see there's some improvement. Dennis Smith Jr. is the guy who can do that. Dennis Smith Jr. just doesn't do it and doesn't do it consistently. And he made some place in that where you're in the lane. Okay, you're in the lane. You've got your man on your hip. Don't pass it out. Go to the basket and finish the play. So he's a guy who can do that. You just need to see him do that more consistently. Nilakina is the one who does it sometimes. He needs to do it more consistently as well. Thanks for listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty Podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.